Okay, great. That's perfect. Well, good morning, everybody. We are fighting the elements this morning of the trees being chopped down. So I, I apologize for the distractions. I should have hired them to come on Monday, not Sunday. But unfortunately, they showed up. Um, hey, I thought that was a great just time to meditate on songs. We're trying to really lift up our music ministry. We've been working really hard trying to really provide a worshipful environment for all of us. And if you've been with us, we've been talking about the journey of the Israelites in the desert. And we're framing that in the context of our relationship with God. You know, we're a church that believes in relationships. We value relationships because we understand without relationships, we will lose our faith eventually. Because Christianity was never meant to be alone. It was never meant to be a solo mission. It was always meant to be a community, always meant to be with people, always meant to be in love with God and with love in the dysfunctional family of God. If you look at our church, we come from multiple backgrounds. If you look at our how we grew up, we grew up somewhat dysfunctional. And we bring all of these things into the kingdom. And then we work on ourselves through our relationship with God. And we grow and we change and we become something more and more like Jesus. So I want to take you to the story where we left off, where the Israelites, the first generation, and the spies that were sent out did not believe that they could take the land. They didn't trust God, so they died off in the desert. And so, but God wants them to go into the backside, the east side. So if you're looking at a map, the ocean is here, the promised land is here. There's a mountain range, a river, the Jordan, and then there's the east side of the promised land. God has them go on the east side of the promised land to start the approach of going into the promised land. And so we're going to pick up the story of this land flowing with milk and honey, this land that was promised to Abraham years ago. And God is fulfilling his promise that I will give Abraham's descendants the land flowing with milk and honey called the land of Canaan. And his descendants will take possessions of the land. Now, last week we talked about Moses dying outside the promised land. And then I showed you in Mark 9 that he actually made it. He was talking to Jesus on the mountain. He was faithful to the end. Although he did have a moment of lack of trust, he was faithful. And he was with Jesus on the, on the mountain of transfiguration, talking to Jesus in front, of, in front of James, Peter, and John. So I want to reassure you that Moses' sin did not eliminate him from going to heaven. And most of the Israelites most likely went to heaven too. Just because they died in the wilderness doesn't mean they lost their salvation. It never says that. It just says they died in the wilderness. And Moses died in the wilderness. And there was Moses with Jesus. That should encourage us. You know, one of the things that we have to deal with in our lives is the strong attraction to being comfortable. I mean, it is powerful. We desperately want to feel comfortable all the time. That's the attraction. And we resist challenging times. I'm not saying we should welcome them, but we have a strong propensity to resist things that are challenging and welcome the comforting. And in that process, something happens to our faith. Our faith is not challenged 
And therefore, our faith becomes weaker. Because when you live a life of comfort, it's the challenges that help us overcome that strengthen our faith. Romans chapter 5, all over the Bible. Without suffering and without challenges, our faith is never tested and we fail to grow. So our attraction is naturally to be comfortable. When we, res we resist the challenging times. You know, we equate comfort, which is a mistake. We equate comfort with being faithful. Oh, I'm, I, things are good. Well, things aren't always good. And so God tends to present challenges to us to see where we're at, to see how we're doing with him. Because to trust when it's difficult is hard. To receive blessings, to live in the land of Eden, to believe in what we will receive, trusting God's promise. And that's what the Israelites had to face. Hey, are we going to trust God? Are we going to trust his word? Because his word gives us life. And that's kind of what the Torah is telling us, is that God's word brings us life. And so in Numbers 32, please turn there with me. The land is good. It's full. It's great with grazing our animals. It's an amazing land. They're going on the back side of the uh, promised land. They have to face two and three nation, or, or cities or towns led by Amorites. And they're given names. They're kings called Sihon and Og. Og's bed was 13 feet long. He was a giant oh of a man. What a cool name, Og. Yeah. And Sihon. And so they went on the they went on the backside. And in in, if you look at a biblical map, that's the Transjordan. That's the land where these two famous kings lived. And God has them go all the way to the backside and go up north all the way because he wants them to cross into the Jordan, into the promised land. And so there they are. And God gives the kings, these giants, into their hands. God gives them victory on their way to the promised land. It's kind of encouraging that God fights the battles for us. Yeah. In Numbers 32, <laughs> they defeat these kings in, verse, in chapter 21. And I just want to give you a, an idea of what Amos writes about these kings that, that live there. I'm going to quote it for you, but you can write it down. In Amos chapter 2 and verse 9, Amos gives us a description of those Amorites who live there. It says, I destroyed the Amorites before them. This is God talking. Though they were as tall as cedars and strong as the oaks, I destroyed their fruit above and their roots below. You know, sometimes when you read the Old Testament, you think God is a little bloodthirsty. And people have criticized the Bible because of that. The reason why there's so much blood when it comes to the giants is that it was an illicit divine rebellion of supernatural beings crossing over the order of things and creating another human race called the Nephilim. And wherever the Nephilim were, God destroyed the entire city. Because they were the mortal enemy, lethal enemy of God's people. So when you see them go into, not every city was destroyed like that. Only the ones that had the giants. It's very specific. Attack that city and destroy everyone, but not that one. And not that one. That one over there, yes. And that's why the Bible highlights Sahon and Og and Goliath. 
He was the one of the last of the giants. Because when they kicked the giants out of the promised land, three of them ran to the land of the Philistines. And one of them was Goliath and his brothers. And so Goliath was defeated by David and his brothers were defeated by David's mighty men. You can read the story. It's pretty awesome. They were literally nine foot giants living there. And so that was the war. And they were in, they were in the promised land. I wonder why they were there in the first place. Oh, mystery, right? No, it's the powers of darkness. They go, they were telling God, no, this is our land. God goes, no, that's my land and for my people. So there's a spiritual war and there's a physical war going on in the, in the Old Testament. And that's why those stories are there for us to God go, wow, God's not bloodthirsty. God's trying to eliminate something that was out of order. And that was the divine rebellion in Genesis chapter six. So we go in Numbers 32, it's a little back backdrop. And then the Reubenites, it's a tribe of Israel, one of the 12 tribes, and the Gadites, who had very, they had a lot of animals. I mean, they had more animals than you. More animals than you bring to church. They had tons of animals. I mean, they had animals and animals and animals. They were, they were blessed in their livestock. A lot of cattle, a lot of, a lot of sheep, a lot of flock. And they saw the lands of Gazar and Gilead that were suitable for livestock. And so they came to Moses. And Eleazar the priest, because Aaron had died. And they went to the leaders of the community. They had a list of names there. And they said, the land the Lord subdued before the people of Israel are suitable. This is good for livestock. And your servants have like, well, you know guys, we got animals. You know, we just conquered these kings. And this land over here is pretty good. Now, they're not in the promised land. They're on the east side. They got to cross the Jordan to get to the promise. They go, you know what, guys? We got a lot of animals. And the land here is pretty good. And so they go to Moses going, hey, man, did you notice how good the land here is for our animals? If we have found favor in your eyes, give us this land right here and let us possess this land. Don't make us cross into the Jordan. So you have Reuben and Gad. They have lots of animals. God's blessed them, obviously. Hey, why should we go any further? The land is good. I don't want to cross the Jordan. The Jordan's a mighty river. I don't want to cross that with my family and my animals. I might lose some money here. The land is good right here. So why don't you guys cross over and we'll stay over here? It's comfortable here. It's good here. You know, those kings, they had towns, they had infrastructure, they have walls. You know, we can just live where they live. That story should remind you of another story with Abraham and Lot. And they had lots of animals and lots of flocks and their herdsmen were fighting. And Abraham goes, well, it's not good. And Lot, why don't you pick where you want to go and I'll go somewhere else. And Lot goes, I'm going to pick that awesome lush land over there by the land of Sodom. And he does. And we know the story there of Sodom and Gomorrah. So these stories in the narrative are just kind of, they're, they're written in a way to remind you of what happened before. God's people have choices. And sometimes we choose the comfortable versus the journey and appreciating the journey into the promised land. And the, 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 the tribe of Gad and the tribe of Reuben, they just want to be comfortable. They have lots of livestock. And so they want to rest there. And so they go to Moses and Moses says to the, to the Gadites, and to the Reubenites in verse six, should your fellow Israelites go to war while you sit here? You're going to leave the giants to us? 
Why do you discourage the Israelites from crossing over into the land the Lord has given them? Look, God's given us that land, not this land. Why are you being so discouraging? You're going to discourage God's people. We got to take that land. God says, that's your land. But they want to stay there. Moses is like, this is not a good idea. And he reminds him of the story in verse 8. This is what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to the land over there, the spies. And after they went up to the valley of Eshkol, the Grape Valley, and they viewed the land, they discouraged the Israelites from entering the land the Lord had given them. The Lord's anger was aroused that day, and he swore an oath because they have not followed me wholeheartedly. Not one of them who were 20 years or older who came out of Egypt will see the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. They followed me wholeheartedly. So Moses tells them, look, guys, you're acting like the spies. This is not a good idea. The land, that's God's land. God's given it to us. It's a gift. He promised it. And now you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to encourage the Israelites, our brothers, not to go over either. So Moses is not happy. That land was given to them. And it should remind you of another story of the Garden of Eden. Where Adam and Eve were in the garden and it was awesome. But it just wasn't enough. It was a choice. They had to have the tree, eat from the tree of, of, of good and evil. It just wasn't enough. They just couldn't enjoy God's blessing. They wanted more. And in verse 14, Moses confronts them even more strongly. And here you are, a brood of sinners, standing in the place of your fathers and making the Lord even more angry with Israel. If you turn away from following him, he will again leave all his people in the wilderness. And you'll be the cause of their destruction. Moses is concerned that God will abandon his people because they're just not listening. Remember I said they were kind of stiff-necked? Like, we don't want to go there. We don't want to cross the Jordan. It's a stiff neck. They don't want to obey God. They want the easy life. And Moses is afraid that this, this choice will arouse God's anger. And in verse 16, they come back to Moses. Okay, we'd like to build... Some, you know, some infrastructure here for our animals, maybe a city for our women and children. But we, the men, we'll go over to the promised land with you and we'll fight. And we'll go first and we'll help you fight the giants. Meanwhile, our women and children can stay here. And we'll go over there and, you, and, we'll, and we'll conquer them and we'll inherit that land. But we want to come back here. And then Moses in verse 20. It says, if you will do this, if you'll arm yourself and you'll fight the battle and you'll cross the Jordan before the Lord, he'll drive out the enemies. And when that land is subdued before God, you can return and be free from your obligation to the Lord and to Israel. And this land will be your possession before God. They come up with a compromise. They say, we're going to go fight, but we're gonna, after the fighting's done, and the war is won, and the land is subdued. We're going to come back here on this side of the Jordan, outside the promised land, and we're going to live here with our, with our wives and our kids and lots of ribeye steaks. We're going to have a great time over here. Now, that land where they want to be is the land of Bashan. 
in Canaanite language, that is serpent land. That is demonic land. That land was so demonic of spiritual forces of darkness that even the Canaanites feared going to that mountain. That mountain was called Mount Hermon. That is ground zero. Ground zero, the powers of darkness in the, in the, test, in the Old Testament. That is where the angels who made the Nephilim hatched their plots to disobey God and cross over into humanity. That was the most sinister land you can think of. Jesus goes to that same spot and says, I will build my church on this rock. And he challenges the powers of darkness. That land in the future is Caesarea Philippi. That is not good land. That is the land of Baal in occult worship. And that's where the Israelites wanted to hang their hat. That's where Gad and the Reubenites wanted to hang their hat. And we want to live here. Because at the time, it was lush and beautiful. In verse 20, 23, Moses says this to them. But if you fail to do, come over. If you, if you don't do what you said you're going to do, you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Build your cities for your women and your children and your livestock, but do what you have promised. Now, the Torah is written in a way where it leaves out vital information. It's designed that way. It's not like English where you get all the data points. It's meant to go, did, did, I don't see them asking God anything. I mean, you don't read one thing about, did they inquire of God? It's meant to, it's left out for you to wonder and to ponder. What does God think of this? Because God's not asked in the narrative. It's left out and, you, and it's, it's designed the way for you to go, I wonder why that is. Did Moses ever talk to God? Hmm. And it's meant for you to think, maybe he did. Was God behind this? And it makes you wonder, does God respect our choices? He does. God respects your choices even when you're not obeying him. God will not force you to obey him. He will never do that. Because he wants people who are willing, who are trusting, who are faithful. So God will never try to force you into something that you will not do. Because that's an attribute of God. It's called free will. You have to choose it. You have to want it. And you have to trust God going, I will do this because I trust you. And God respects our rebellious spirit. He lets us do it. I find that to be amazing. And I think that's why this narrative in the Torah is there because God goes, hey, you have to choose me. I'm not making you. I'm, I want to bless you. I want to give you a land of abundance, but you have to choose. And so it's left to us. Even as we read these stories as a New Testament Christian, as a New Testament church, we have the same choice. God will never make you do something. He wants you to be willing to do it. So in verse 25, the Gadites and the Reubenites said to Moses, we, your servants, will do as, as, as our Lord commands. Our children and our wives, our flocks and our herds will stay here. But your servants, everyone, every man will be armed for battle and will cross over the Jordan and will do just as our Lord says. So they were obedient, even though they were disobeying. They, they had a compromise. We'll go help you, but we're not going to take that land. So in verse 28, then Moses gave the orders to them, about them, to Eleazar the priest and Joshua. He said, if the Gadites and the Reubenites, if they don't come over and the land's not subdued, you're going to take their land. But if they do cross over, but if they do not cross over, 
you must accept their possession with you in Canaan. So that was the deal. The Gadites and the Reubenites answered, your servants will do what the Lord pleases. We will cross over for the, for the Lord in Canaan, but the property we inherit will be on his side of the Jordan. And then Moses gave to the Gadites, the Reubenites, and look who else joins in, the half-tribe of Manasseh. Remember Joseph in Egypt in the story? He was all faithful, and he was all amazing, and he saved him from the land of starving for seven years. Remember that? He had sons, and one of them was Manasseh. And his tribe's like, you know what? It is better over there. Let's go over there with those guys. So half of the tribe went on the other side of the Jordan, not the promised land, and going, this land's pretty good. We like it here. And so they lived there. And they lived there for several hundred years. And life was good. And nothing happened to them until many generations later, Assyria, a nation is developing just above them. And guess who Assyria attacks first? The tribes of Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh, and destroy them. Hundreds of years later, hundreds of years later, Assyria comes down and conquers the Israelites and takes their land. And you think, man, they lived outside the land of Israel. They lived outside the land of God's blessing. The Assyrians rose up. And guess who got destroyed? Those very tribes. Those very tribes. And the Torah is designed to inform. It's designed to encourage, to guide you, to meditate on these kinds of stories. Your decisions now may affect generations later. Right. Yeah. Your choices now will affect many generations later. Because you think for a moment that I want to be comfortable and God will allow it. God will, God will grant you that. Even though they didn't want to take or accept his blessing. We all have choices. We had the choice just like the woman in the garden. She had a choice. She saw what was pleasing to the eye. In this case, it was the land. It was good. It's pleasing to the eye. Here, they gave up this one very thing. They chose to give up fellowship with the other tribes of Israel. The Jordan was powerful. It was difficult to cross, but they gave up their fellowship. A strong river divided the Israelites. God has given us a great blessing. It's called church. It's called community. God gave them a great community. And they chose to be divided. They said, I'm, I'm choosing to live apart from my brothers because I want to be over here and not there. And God wanted them all in the same real estate area, the same property area. They go, no, we want to be over here. And so they divided their community because it was convenient and it was more comfortable. I read you the story because I think that I want you to, I want to encourage you to meditate on these kinds of stories. God blesses us with a community. He gives us the church. It's made in his image. It's his body. He describes it as a body. And many of us, and some of us, if not many of us, need to think about that. Like deeply. Think about your place in the community. Have you separated yourself? Have you stayed on this side of the Jordan? 
You can call it the Jordan River, the divide. It divides. Yeah. So here's what I, here's my ask. Because Ephesians 4 says this. Paul wrote this. Be humble and be united. Paul knew these stories. Paul saw the church fracturing. Be humble and be united. Paul saw all this stuff. He, he, he was a master scholar of the Torah. And he's encouraging all of us. Don't be divided. Well, that person annoy, annoys me. Don't be divided. Why don't I get along with that person? Don't be divided. Well, you know, you think the Israelites got along? You think, you think your background and my background mesh beautifully? They don't. Be humble. You know, the Jews and the Gentiles didn't like each other. You know, the Gentiles were told specifically, don't eat bloody meat because it offends the Jews. Don't eat bloody meat. Because it was offensive. They didn't wash their hands. They weren't ritually pure. Can you imagine going to church with someone and potluck and don't watch the, no, the brother's not washing his hands? You'd be appalled. Bro, yes. there's a squirt bottle, bro. <laughs> no, it's cool. I don't want to do that. They're touching all the food and grubbing. You'd be offended. You're like, it's my last church service, Gio. It's my last one. I can't handle this. But that's where we go. Yeah. Like, you don't think the first century church had these challenges? The Grecian Jews were overlooked. A fight almost broke out. These are real things. But do you allow them to divide you? That's the question. Do, do you, God will respect your choices. But the Torah is there to remind you there are consequences for choices that may not happen in your lifetime. Happen later. Many years later. Hundreds of years later. So here's what I want you to think about. Here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend some time thinking about the story this week. Just take a moment, get a cup of coffee, and think about the story. And what can you glean for yourself in this story? In what ways are you similar to the tribes of Gad and the Reubenites and the half-tribe of Manasseh? In what ways am I similar like that? And ask yourself the question. Am I accepting God's blessings? Am I accepting of his blessings? You know, I love birthday parties, but sometimes I get gifts that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to return, you know? Isn't it our nature? Like, I got a lot of gifts, but I don't like that one. Just accept the blessings. We're so like, we're so that way as a human race. It's so yeah. funny. So do I accept God's blessing, in what ways am I similar to my forefathers like Gad, like the Reubenites, like the half-tribe of Manasseh? And what is this narrative? What is this story as I meditate on it? What is the Holy Spirit telling me about me? What's he telling me? And that's what I want you to try to do this week is spend some time just thinking about it. I'm not even asking you to pray about it. I'm asking you to think about it. Because when you start thinking, God starts doing stuff. He starts telling you things. If you just sit there in, in quiet and think, God will start telling you things. And I want you to hear that voice. Because I think God is giving us a message this morning. About unity. 
about our relationships and about how we treat each other. Let's pray for our communion. Well, God, thank you so much for this time to read this story, this, this narrative. There's so many things that make me, make me wonder what's going on there in the background, in between the storylines, what is actually happening. And it's just a riveting story of choices. And God, we ask that you would just fill us up with the desire to know, the desire to listen and desire to, to just to meditate at your feet. And we want to know what you think. We want to invite you into our heart and our soul on the depth, the deepest parts of, of us and guide us and lead us, change us, mold us. We want to be like your son, Jesus. We want to follow. We want to be like him. God, help us to do that. Help us to shave off the, the, the hardness that covers our hearts. Help us to break the molds that have just is captured our hearts and have frozen us in time, God, where we're not growing spiritually. God, we invite you into our lives because the cross does that. The ultimate sacrifice that you did for us uh, is so rich and so meaningful to us, God, that we're willing we're willing to choose you over everything else. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.